Hello everybody and welcome back to At The Movies with William Fletcher. As usual, I am your host William Fletcher and this week I am joined once again by Rowan. Hello. And uh, I'm also joined by Matt. What's up? Alright, so we meant to do this a couple weeks ago, but we that didn't happen. Uh, so this was your choice, Matt, I believe. I offered you... What's this? Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I remember I I sent you a list of uh, some films and and then you chose this one because you're like, huh? I've never seen. You said something like, oh. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah. So I, I've um, only seen it recently. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what is your general thoughts on the film? Do you like? Do you think it's good or not? I guess. Sort of a starting um, point. I thought it was. I thought it was quite good. I yeah. mean. It is pretty generalized in the topic of, because uh, it's always being regarded as like, oh, one of the most excellent films of all time, mm. definitely my favorite. Yeah. Like I can see how it's good, mm. but I would never consider it anything like that. Like a like a masterpiece. You you wouldn't classify it as. Yeah, that. I wouldn't classify it as a masterpiece. It was definitely good. Yeah. Like I love the way uh, Tarantino had uh, organized all of the time skips. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like how it all came together in the end, that was really nice. Yeah. But ultimately, nothing like. Nothing special. Yeah, absolutely legendary. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, what are your sort of thoughts on the film? Just sort of general thoughts on it. I thought it was excellent. Alright. You know? Isn't this the only one you've seen, though, of Tantino's career? Didn't you say that at some point? Well, no, I've recently gone back and watched a bunch of his films, like Inglorious Bastards. all right. Uh, Reservoir Dogs and uh, a couple of them. Um, definitely, he has a very unique style. But with um, Pulp Fiction, something that obviously def obviously stands out is by far the dialogue. Mm. I mean, it's yeah, practically absolutely. flawless. Uh, you I say practically flawless. What is there a bit that you don't find flawless? Because practically, sort of implies that it's mostly good but there's like one or well, two I mean, bit that you nothing's don't. perfect you know yeah i mean so. i i i'm sort of i think it's great but i do think it's a tad bit overrated and i say mm. this as someone who's a big fan of this film and tantino as a filmmaker i just sort of feel that it's too long i i, I think all of his films are pretty much too long like I think this one you could. There's like Django. His Django was uh quite good. I yeah. Length. Mm. Yeah, but I I haven't watched that recently. I think I've seen it like one time, so I need to go back and watch it again to sort of get my uh, sort of thoughts on that. But I think there's bits where it just sort of I guess ram not ram sort of yeah sort of rambles on. I guess it's sort of. It's a bit slow, but I don't know if it's deliberately slow or if it's just I'm not interested in what's happening, I guess. Yeah. Mm. I, um... That definitely makes heaps of sense to me, really. Mm. Like, I thought it was quite good. Like what Roland said before, the dialogue was mm. excellent. Yeah. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed whenever, you know, there'd be a quirky... Like, the relationship between uh, Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta mm, was yeah. so well 
done that like you feel like you could just watch them forever. Yeah. Like it just it worked really well. I think that's one of the strongest points. Of yeah. It. And I think that's sort of most of Tarantino's work is. Yeah. Most the best parts of most of his films are the dialogue. Like that's sort of the whole point is that just on the surface they seem like you know just incredibly violent films but you sort of delve deeper into them and there's a lot more to them than that and they're not just you know just violence there's something like to be honest when i first watched it i was surprised because i had no idea what it was about Mm. Um, what it was, I'd only really know that people say, oh, excellent film, you know, and like I'd seen obviously posters and stuff like that, but it still really surprised me Mm -hmm. when I watched it, because it it wouldn't have been what I first picked uh, the film to be. That's the same with me Mm. as well, because when I first like, when I, before I watched it I thought it was all about that lady that does the twist dance, I forget her name now. Um, What, Uma Thurman? yeah she yeah. was she she was on all the posters and i mean she's on all of the, like the video essays that you watch online mm-hmm. because yeah. she's pretty much in all of the most famous scenes so mm-hmm. i thought i built up an impression that the film was all about her mm-hmm. as a main character yeah but it wasn't and that yeah. kind of surprised me when i watched it mm-hmm. yeah it was I... a pleasant surprise because mm-hmm. it actually made her character better i feel mm-hmm. yeah I still remember my favorite scene being the uh, when Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta were in the car together, and he accidentally shoots him. Like I loved the. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's scene. Yeah. That scene's so good. Like it, it, I was laughing a bit too hard at that one. I found just with the quick quips between the two. No, it's so and, good. Yeah, yeah I, I, I genuinely the... enjoyed it. Yeah. I love how sort of nonchalant John Travolta's about it. He's like, oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Like, he's not like... I shot him. He's yeah. not like, you know, he's, he's very nonchalant about it. And I think that is... I, I like that about it, because it's sort of... I think it's it's funny. It's a direct you know? contrast to Samuel Jackson's yeah. character. Because mm. Samuel Jackson's character reacts freaking out. Yeah. all frantic. And he's like, did you just do that? Yeah. Did you just do that? Yeah. And then John Travolta's <laughs> character's like, oh, I just shot him. God damn it. I think that this film sort of... I think if you didn't cast those... if you, Like, if you didn't have John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, I don't know if it would work as well. Like, if those two yeah. parts were swapped or, like, they had different actors in, I don't think it would work as well. Because apparently, um, apparently George Clooney was in talks for John Travolta's part in the film but he decided I'll from I'll do from dusk till dawn instead. And I think that's probably a better choice because I prefer he's probably I don't know if he would work as well as John Travolta does in this film. Yeah, cuz obviously there's like the age difference mm-hmm, yeah. between Travolta and uh Jackson mm-hmm. which I think works very well in the end mm-hmm. with the contrast. Yeah. Uh cuz obviously Samuel has much more uh, experience, like especially in the movie, like being whereas Travolta sort of reckless and new mm-hmm. to the scene. Yeah, yeah, because he's his end goal really is to retire um, Samuel yeah. Jackson's character exactly. after yeah. 
the events of the Magnum going off next to them. Mm, yeah. Um, I guess... Another thing, um... Wait, no, you go first, sorry. I guess while we're talking about it, I think, overall, most of the performances in this film are pretty good. Like, I don't know, I don't think there's really a weak link in the cast. Hmm. Well, maybe Tarantino yeah. is the weak link, honestly. Really? Remember I'm going to be honest. He was, in the, he's... he was in the kitchen. Yeah. He pulled his weight, definitely, but he was definitely not you as good as... You can tell he's not an actor. Yeah. But I actually think he's he was quite a bit of fun as in that performance. Like, I'm a, I will admit, yeah, he's I'm not good. Drag. He's not a good actor. But also, it's just fun. That It's just sort of how he's playing it. I, don't, I just sort of think that he's... He's, he's just like... I think he's good in this, but in his other work, when he has to act, he's kind of shite. Like, he's... Yeah. But, and, um, my dad is... I'm just gonna be honest, my dad does not like Pulp Fiction. He thinks it's overrated. Because he, he remember, yeah. he told me, he first saw it, and he thought it was, like, amazing, because, you know, of how the way it's told a story. And so then he took one of his friends to see it again. So he could see it again, and so they could see it. And he just told me that he found it incredibly boring, and he f- and he f- finds that Tarantino is a very self-indulgent filmmaker, and he hasn't been. Uh, well, it's because a lot of it is based on twists, and like you don't really know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. and you're always on edge because of the uh, awkward timing yeah. of the uh, events in the film. Whereas once you've seen it like a second time, I feel like it loses its uh charm yeah and that's where directors like nolan sort of pick up from tarantino (laughs) their films are very repetitive not repetitive um, rewatchable so oh that's i thought you were gonna say something bad about nolan because i've done like a couple of other recordings and we just trash all over him like i i don't and i don't dislike nolan i just think he's and to be fair i think tarantino sort of got to that point in his career sort of halfway through his career where he was very self-indulgent and just making whatever he wanted even if it sucked you know i think tantino sort of reached that point and then he moved past it and he's just sort of made really good films since whereas whereas nolan has gotten to that point now in his career he's gotten to that and i don't know if he'll really get out of that point um because i think he's just a guy because nolan is sort of a guy who his movies make money because his name is on it, you know, and that's sort of with mm. the same with Tarantino. You see his name on it, like, oh, that's probably going to be good, you know. And I think there are some very few directors nowadays who are like that, where you see their name, at, where like a general audience will see their name, like, oh, that's going to be good. I should go see that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, there obviously is like a list of directors who. Is kind of like almost a must see whenever you see them mm-hmm. making a new yeah. film. Like, because they've built up the fact that a reputation. Most of their movies have been excellent, yeah. Yeah. Just like if I see a movie with like Tom Hanks in it, mm. I'd want to yeah. see it because Tom Hanks is a brilliant actor. <laughs> yeah. Back to Pulp Fiction. Pulp, yeah. Um, um... One thing that did. Uh, Annoy me like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know his name because I've forgotten now. Which, but which uh, character is he? It was the, it was the one with the uh, French, I think, girlfriend. Oh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, oh uh, God. 
Yeah, I gotta forget that. But um, yeah, Bruce Willis. His character was uh was nice. It was, but it was so wildly different to. It was so disconnected from everything else. Yeah, yeah. it was disconnected from the other storyline which was going on at the exact same time, yeah. which I feel yeah definitely took you out of the uh the immersion of it. Mm, yeah. Like obviously some people like that. But uh, for me, it just never really clicked for me, mm. uh, having yeah. that happen. Mm. Yeah. Definitely the movie's quality, not so much in dialogue, because Tarantino just knows how to write dialogue, but more so in sort of like the storytelling. Mm-hmm. It just dipped in quality when you were with um, Bruce Willis. Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, yeah. sort of a bit, every time I come back to rewatch Pulp Fiction, I'm always like, I'm always like, I can't wait to see, rewatch the stuff with Jack, Sam Jackson and John Travolta, and then when it gets to the Bruce Willis stuff, I'm just kind of like, eh? Uh, it's there. I mean, like, it's not bad, it's just I'm not as interested in that as I am in... That's not why yeah. you watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah, no, it's not. It's sort of, like, that's fine, but, like, I want to get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah. Another thing is, I also really disliked, um, when, uh, Travolta was killed like in the second act mm. with uh, Bruce Willis and that kind of Did I you... was taken out of it knowing like oh man is that gonna happen you know rather than a whole big mystery so but... would you have so what would you have preferred they do then they don't kill John Travolta's character or they kill I just him found later it really, I just found it really strange that this guy who was like very focused in his own story and they had mentioned uh, Travolta going after Bruce Willis. Mm. And he just sort of shows up. Right. Like so... It felt more of like a cameo, like, yep, let's loop this character back in rather than... Because they weren't connected in any way. He was just right. merely yeah. like just a guy working for another guy rather than personal mm. means. Right, so you would have preferred if there was more... He was doing it... There was a personal vendetta... On, on, or um, just they, Vincent yeah. Vegas or part. they knew each other more than just, oh yeah, like Travolta's working for someone and was asked. Well, like it could have been I... anyone else at that point. I feel. Well, they had met like briefly beforehand when they when uh, Jules yeah, and yeah. Vincent were dropping off the briefcase, and they sort of have a a, a little confrontation. Um, yeah. I also wish they could have had, like, some dialogue between them at that point instead of just, mm. you know... I mean, like, more off. dialogue than... It's not a lot of dialogue that they have between... Yeah. They just sort of say, like, like two or three lines back and forth, and then that's that. And I... And so, I, I do... That is a fair point that, I, that you kind of... Like, sort of more reason beto- between these characters on what like sort of more interaction to sort of so that when John Travolta is killed off you feel that's more earned more earned. yeah exactly yeah. rather than just him being wrong place wrong time okay yeah Rowan do you have any opinions on that you said everything I was thinking <laughs> I was going to talk about wrong place wrong time as well but mm. there you go yeah um yeah, so I guess I'm just sort of looking at like who else is in this. Uh, Tim Roth and Man of Plummer as the sort of two robbers. 
that we see at the beginning at, at the end. I think they oh, they're good. They play off each other really well, and I I can buy their relationship yeah. together. And I and I and it's very believable that these two are together. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think they work well together. Really. Mm. Yeah. Um. Another person that was in it. Ah. Uh... God, what? yeah, Harvey. Uh, oh, Harvey Cattell. Cattell. Oh, Harvey Cattell is. He did great. great in it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's not really in it and a lot, but like, what he does do in it is like. Yeah. Significant. And, yeah. Like you enjoy watching his presence, even if it was just very simple. Mm. What he did, nice little sort of cameo there, mm. uh, well acted. Like mm. it worked well for it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think he's, Harvey Keitel is very good with, as much as he's good, because this seems to be sort of a thing in a lot of Tarantino's work, is he's always got these great actors who very much don't do a lot, who, like, aren't in it a lot, but they do, but what they do is, like, they do a lot with not very much, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. They get a lot. Well, he did end up rebuilding um, Travolta's career, really. Like, he kind of gave mm. him a starting point, which then led him on to do other stuff as well. Mm. But yeah. uh, that's something I picked up from it. Like, mm. John Travolta, nice, fresh uh, casting for it, suited mm. well, yeah. and Risky, which I liked as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, because sort of at this point in his in John Travolta's career, he was sort of kind of not that great. Like, he wasn't a... He had gotten too old for the classic romantic... Yeah, like, he, uh, like he couldn't make Grease movies. again or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, yeah. Like he was very much a guy who... They sort of, sort of pushed him back up into the stratosphere of stardom and sort of, and sort of gave him more stuff to do. Uh, yeah. And he's since kind of lost it and is not that great anymore at the moment yeah but for a sh for a brief point in time he was yeah for, for the next good. few years he was very much a big name and i think yeah. this film did that with a lot of it like samuel l jackson sort of became a massive name because of this film like he'd done he'd That's been in true. films before but this was like his big thing you know yeah, it, it's at least what made him well known to mm -hmm. uh, a series of like new audiences. <laughs> yeah, because like, he'd done like I think, like he'd done like I think he'd he'd done like do the right thing in like a brief part. He'd done coming to America. Like he'd done a couple of sort of small mini roles. Didn't he do Jurassic Park as well? Like, Jurassic that? Park, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he, he was in a minor role. But he was, he was not a like minor role. he was a very sort of pulled back, very like small part yeah. in that massive film, and then this just sort of pushed him to like a new level, yeah, of stardom. And he's you know one of the biggest actors working right now. You know he's and and he and he's another he's another. Uh, you know, some, like, we talk about filmmakers who you sort of see their name, and you're like, oh, that's going to be good. He's an actor who you see his name, and you're like, that's probably going to be good because it's Samuel L. Jackson. You know, and I think that is, um, you know, a big deal. Because he's... Well, I mean, he just has that screen presence that a lot of people don't have, mm. you know? Yeah, there are very few you, actors. You look, 
like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, who just like like his charisma and his whole like just sort of way he can command a room, you know, and how he sort of has yeah. a, the presence he adds to a scene. Mm. I think you've explained it quite well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, do we just wanna? Is there anything you guys want to particularly talk about, or do we just sort of want to go through the whole, sort of go through, not scene by scene, but like through different parts of sort of start from like the beginning and sort of work our way through, or do you have anything specific you want to talk about first? There is one thing I want to talk about. All right, um, what is it? The very, very, um, the very first line. I've seen this in so many video essays and mm -hmm. dissections of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. The very first line is, uh, it's too risky. I'm not doing it. Yeah, it's, I think it's like, forget it, it's too risky or something. Yeah, and immediately it adds a question <laughs> to the audience. Yeah. The question's already involved, thinking, what is too risky? They've got to keep exactly. listening to yeah. figure it out. And then it immediately, in, immediately yeah. invests the audience. And, I mean, that's just another, another excuse to say Tarantino is a, a perfect director mm. when it comes to dialogue. Yeah. So, I mean... The amount of times I've seen people comment on that one line mm -hmm. is insane. It's it's not one of those lines that's quotable. No, it's, it's just really one of those not. lines that's kind of subconsciously hooks you into the film immediately. Yeah. I, and yeah. a lot of films don't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. most films don't do that because they don't really understand the concept of hooking yeah. um, someone saw, in verbally. Yeah, I saw a video essay on it, and they called it. They didn't call it a hook. I forgot what they called it, but they had like a different name for it, and it's. And they was engagement. No, it was like they sort of. It's like what they were tr what they were calling it was like. It, give me a second. I'll have to find it. You guys, I'll try and find this. But um, I think that's a great way to start a film. Is you like the first line of dialogue should be something that, mm. yeah, sort of gets the audience interested. You know, and it's very much. And that's like, what I found, um, after recently watching Pulp Fiction again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. And then watching um, the film Greenland, you know, that disaster comet movie that came out recently. Unfortunately um, not. I have not. It's one of those, it's one of those like, you know, 2012 day after tomorrow type films. Those oh films. yeah. The one. Yeah. 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 yeah um, one thing I noticed is that it opens so generically. It's like, oh, he's with a family. Oh, he's playing oh, yeah. with these kids. It's like, eh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't invested until something external happened that wasn't involving the family okay. but when it comes to pulp fiction immediately i'm interested because of that yeah. one line okay and do you think all films should start like that they should always have like not all films not all films some films um like 2001 a space odyssey mm -hmm. stuff like that needs to build up yeah and sort of slowly Visualize because obviously show don't tell. You, that's essential in a film. Yeah. You... So starting a film with dialogue every time is about the type of director that or the type of film you're making. Mm -hmm, yeah. So it really does depend on what you're making if you start it with dialogue or not. Mm -hmm, yeah. I think that is. Yeah. So they. Because something that annoys me more than anything is like when credits will uh go on for bloody ages and well, that's, you're not that's... seeing any development it's just yeah that's more of a um... 
that was more of a style that uh, filmmakers used from the 90s back. Um, no, like, that one they've... was alright. The Pulp Fiction yeah. one, I'm t I mean, like, when uh, someone's moving or something to New York and they're in a taxi and there's oh, really yeah. cheesy music over it, like, nothing gets me less interested in a film than that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've got, got too many Netflix movies where I've just watching because of the shitty intro. So that just yeah. sort of proves how much uh, it's important yeah. in the engagement. Because that of... music, because I mean, a way to do it that type of thing correctly is to, is an example with introducing Spider-Man in Civil War. That song, he's hearing this song, so it's diegetic. He's hearing the song himself, and it also represents his personality he, the way he reacts to the song, the way he sings to the song, sort of is a mirror of who he is. Yeah, so it's already characterization that. on top of a pretty nice soundtrack, mm. you know. But where films like the ones you're saying on Netflix, a lot of them just put a sound a soundtrack in for the sake of putting a soundtrack in. So mm. a licensed track, yeah. just for the sake of it, because it sounds nice. The intro. I think that's yeah. Sort of characteristic is definitely a major point. Mm. I think talking because so... Pulp Fiction had a characteristic very early on that it sort of let people know about just simply by the uh, credits, opening credits. It was uh, a style you could immediately recognize, mm. uh, and like if you started watching yeah. it and you sort of heard about the movie, you go like, oh yeah, that that's Pulp Fiction. You know yeah i mean that that song that it has is very pulp fiction yeah hmm. okay anyway you can start your thing now <laughs> sorry i kept on dropping you no i was uh i wasn't really listening to what you guys were saying because i was trying to find this thing so I could hear sort of bit. So could you just sort of like, what were you guys talking? Were you talking about like you talk about music and credits, and <laughs> yeah. I sort of got that. No. Uh, yeah, the characteristics of music and uh, film. How and the a sort certain of mood you track, want to get across. How yeah. a certain track of being linked with a character can create character development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think Tarantino. He he's very much. Because in pretty much every film he's made, he always uses licensed tracks. He he very rarely has a, a like a composer score for him, and I think he very much he is he doesn't use music for the sake of it, like licensed tracks. He he uses it as establishment, or you know, in a in a way that fits. It's not just doing it because he can. Yeah, it adds to the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think this film has got some pretty nice music. I think there's some very nice tracks in it. Mm. Yep. Oh. Definitely a good I album. Agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I <laughs> agree. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. So should I just do? You just guys, do you guys just want to go through like a, like just sort of go from through individual scenes, or should I just go? Through? Yeah, or just briefly at least. Yeah. So, um, I think the opening scene, the the diner scene. I guess we could sort of talk about 
the opening dinosaur scene and the f- final dinosaur scene together as one because they are. I think that it's a very a very good way to start a film to sort of start off with a very interesting sort of start off with a robbery. Yeah, I'd put it. I think that. I think Tarantino in every film that he's made. I think every like the every opening scene is. He like he doesn't start it with a scene that, like you don't think, a different scene should be here. It's always a scene that like it works and it makes sense that it's there because it's always establishing character, you know, not necessarily the main character but a character or several yeah. characters at once. Like if you look at Reservoir Dogs, you know it's the opening. It's all of it's all the, you know the robbers and they're all out at eating, at you know a diner, and I and that's like the best way they should start with the film to establish who these guys are and you know how they work yeah yeah how they tick i guess because every every single comment and sort of remark that it's said around that table Mm. um every single line is important you can't just cut out a line because Mm -hmm. it all adds to the film and to the characters that are saying those lines Mm. um i mean that's a that's a big mistake that a lot of filmmakers make. Um, is they write dialogue that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like I mean, can you give like a specific director you can think of who does that, or do you just M Night Shyamalan? <laughs> I haven't seen Definitely. any of Shyamalan's bad films. I've seen like only his good stuff, and it's good. Yeah, but but I, I I've times seen he writes a scene mm. with such pointless dialogue, and I mean even scenes that are like, I mean. Uh, what, what, what TV shows a lot of the time because they're so long because they're usually five or six films worth of content <laughs> yeah. at minimum. Yeah. Um, usually there's always a, a couple episodes in there that are just not needed or just yeah. a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, you can even say that about stuff like Stranger Things. There's a couple episodes in there that are just they they add a little bit but not enough to warrant an episode in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But where, that's where Tarantino succeeds in this is that every single line of dialogue is needed and every single line of dialogue adds to the film or adds to the characters or adds mm-hmm. to the setting. Yeah. And it sort of continues the film and the plot. Mm-hmm. So And I, yeah, and I will go as point. far to say that this is a very well-written screenplay that doesn't like I don't know if someone else could write this film. Like if you had a different person as the writer, it probably wouldn't work as well because it would become off as you know pretentious and boring and just overly long, which this film is a bit long. But most of what happens is important and necessary to the story. Mm. I feel like something that also very much boosted it is the fact that. Tarantino was quite known for his work and was regarded as a good filmmaker by that point. So if it was gritted, he would have some sort of recognition to, mm. oh, it must be, you know, somewhat good, even if it is like a bit boring. Yeah, because he'd done. Would have definitely helped with film success. Yeah, he'd done Reservoir Dogs and it, he'd also sold a script for a film called True Romance. He'd sold a script to yeah. like, I think it was Miramax or something like the, like the Weinstein's company. He saw yeah. them a script. I think it was them. He saw, so they had a script. And like, hey, this Tarantino guy, he gave us a script. A cup, like they sort of were like holding on to it. And like, hey, we've got this. We should make a film of this. And so then they did. Um, and I think 
Yeah. And this was very much a film where, because of how well Reservoir Dogs had gone and how much it was loved, like it, like Reservoir Dogs was like a hit, like somewhat like not like a massive hit, but it was like a hit, you know. And then True Romance right, came yeah. out, yeah. And so he was sort of allowed to do what he wanted, I guess. And I think that he's... And he's very much at, like, that point in his career, this like, now, like, where he could just make what he wanted and nobody would stop it because it's Tarantino. Which I think is, at times, they probably should tell him to stop or, like, tell him to, like, you need to get rid of that because it's too much. That's mm. just sort of my opinion yeah. on some of his films. Yeah, no, good, good point there. Mm. Uh, I agree with that. It's, yeah, definitely making a name for yourself is very important in, mm. uh, before you do something as ambitious as what that was identified as. <laughs> yeah, because I think, because I think this is a film that it's like how difficult. Like it might just be me, but it seems like a film that might be a little bit difficult to explain what the plot is, because there isn't really a massive it, plot, per se. Like, there it, is, it doesn't it, follow the traditional three-act structure. Yeah. 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 Small talk plots are leading to uh, similar mm-hmm. um, endings, or... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, and I think this is a film where you could... Like, the way it sort of... Like, I think... Even if you put it all in, like, correct order, like, it sort of starts with, like, the flashback with, um, Christopher Walken, and it ends with Butch riding off on the motorcycle, I don't think it matters. I think the film, like, do you think the film would be worse or better if it was, like, the, you know, everything was in order, it wasn't just, like, jumping back and forth between different scenes? Well, I think he executed in a way that works, because it's still cohesive. Because immediately once the scene shifts to a different timeline, you're thinking, oh, that's that bit. Because it's already been established and it's already been referenced. And it yeah. sort of, he, he organizes it in a way that makes sense mm-hmm. um, for a time time jump yeah. type you're of plot. consciously going, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't try to hide the cuts. He doesn't try to make it sort of uh, all over the place or tries to make the scenes or the sets look the same. He dis- he intentionally differentiates the scenarios and sets that he uses so that you can identify which time time line you're in or time period you're in. So I feel like because of that, because he did that so well, he was so meticulous with how he designed the sets and designed the script, it works. But I think if another filmmaker did it, a less experienced filmmaker, I don't think it would have worked at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. that's what I asked, though. I asked, do you think if this took place, like, chronologically, do you think the film would be better or worse? I wonder if there's an edit out there somewhere. There probably the... is. Probably someone has done that. I don't know I what know it s- would be like. I know someone's done it for the Back to the Future trilogy. Mm. Huh. But, um... I, I feel like it would... I'm really... I'm not sure. But I feel like it would be recognised, but it also would be nowhere near as good 
as mm -hmm. the original because the original was um was praised for its ability to uh mention you know mm -hmm. the time skip and the uh chronological order mm -hmm. how it wasn't following the same structure like that's what something that it was often uh praised for mm -hmm. and yeah. taking that element away might take away any sort of yeah i don't know it would take away part of the excitement and hype about it because mm -hmm. the hype was based around the fact that he pulled off something very few filmmakers can do mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'd definitely be interested to see what it would be like if it was chronological like if someone yeah. made an edit of it chronologically um I like how a thing that I don't I think you might have noticed in the diner scene in one of the shots you can see um Vincent Vega like walking behind them as they're talking to sort of set it up for mm. later that 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 it you know it's something that you probably don't notice at first or you definitely don't think about it first but then if you watch it again you're like oh it's yeah. Vincent Vega and I think th that works really well to sort of have the setup and you know have it all make sense and everything and have it all work yeah no I like how they had little sort of easter eggs between um it rather than big obvious mm. uh announcements like I like the subtleties mm -hmm. yeah involved in it yeah um I guess is there anything that Rowan you didn't like in the film because I've sort of gone on about I don't massively care I think it's too long and I'm not a massive fan of the Bruce Willis stuff is there anything like that like well either of you to be honest really dislike um about the film I mean there's nothing I really actively dislike about the film mm. um there's nothing that comes to mind that I don't like I mean I've only watched it once recently, and the mm -hmm. last time I watched it before that was like 10 years ago. So, mm. but thinking about it now, I can't think of anything mm. that I don't like. Either everything's good or really good, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Mm. I still think it's mediocre for me. It is good, but not grand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I... I've... I think this film does a very good job of introducing each individual character. Like, sort of, each introduction scene works well and establishes character. And you... And, like, in five sec, In, like, ten seconds, you get... You have, like, an understanding of who these characters are, like, what they want, what they do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're familiar with their motives. Yeah. Like, I think the introduction scene between Jules and Vincent could, like, if another if it was another writer, sort of their, their dialogue and their introduction scene could not, like, wouldn't be as well made, well written and well done, because it's, it's a way of writing characters that only Tarantino can do. Um, and I think... Like, some people might not like that, that sort of introduction of them just sort of talking about 
burgers from Amsterdam and stuff, but I think that works particularly well and um, help and establishes the relationship between the two characters. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, excellent points. Mm. Can't argue with uh, your explanation behind that, really. Hmm. Um. Sort of. Is there another topic you want us to talk about? Um. There's a really okay. This is a scene that I'm not sure how I feel about. Honestly, it's the scene where the gimp scene, where. Oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> Is that the one I'm thinking of? It's where, where they're in the basement. Yeah, where Marcellus yeah. and uh, Butch are captured. Um, yeah, and then... It had a good ending to it. Non-PG but... events happen. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching it and just going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like... Did, what is I, I was very much like what is this why is he why is this happening I unfortunately knew immediately what was about to happen <laughs> oh no <laughs> I don't want to as soon as you see that basement you know something's mm. sus yeah yeah I um I'm I don't I really don't know how to feel about it because it it's something interesting and something you haven't seen but it's also something that I don't know if that film warranted like, I don't know if it yeah. earned that. Like, I was listening to... There was another a podcast where these guys were talking about it. And um, they were talking about it. And one of the guys, he... I don't know if I would say liked it, but he thought it was an interesting idea. And he thought it was, like, a good thing that was in the film. And, yeah. and the other guy was like, nah, it's just, like, too weird. And he would have preferred if they were in, like, a thing with, like, rival like, gang members of Marcellus Wallace and then Butch and Marcellus had to, like, team up to take them down. And I think I would have maybe preferred that as, like, a sort of way of, like, Butch helps save yeah. Marcellus and then he can leave. I don't think you needed the gimp. I don't think that was a necessary thing to add yeah. to the film. I also it was like... a bit excessive. Yeah. I mean, it came out of... Oh, you know. Yeah. I, was... I feel like it that really was did kind just... of good as well the fact it did come out of nowhere because how unlucky was yeah. it when um they just happened to enter this guy's shop yeah uh and then you know this whole thing goes down it's just but i guess it kind of adds depth to the world you know mm, yeah. yeah because there's this random person they just stumble across that has this whole basement operation and i don't yeah, know i did find dumb, it a yeah. bit but... comedic just because yeah. it came out of nowhere mm. Uh, well, at least I don't feel like it was meant to be taken serious because the music behind the scene was very sort of light-hearted and I guess not really but Disney type like Sorry. fairy type music and it's like <laughs> and I'm thinking like how am I meant to be feeling here I'm meant to be feeling like what the hell is going on or like oh it's funny so it, you know it's it also weird. it's just sort of weird because the more you think about it it's like man these guys must have done this before like they've been, just, oh, they're just they're just waiting, and it's like that's just weird because that must just be like. And again, you're like waiting for what? Yeah, I guess. Do they care if it's? I guess they don't care really. It's just they sort of wait for people, and I'm just like so. It's just sort of 
very much waiting for people to stumble in their shop all bloody and bruised yeah and Bruce yeah. Willis was the perfect candidate for that operation mm. <laughs> you have Bruce to Willis. also wonder what if they are uh, picked the other guy you know uh, if it was Bruce, Bruce Willis to go Willis. first yeah. That is sort of yeah. an interesting idea. Like, what if the roles are reversed? What happens then? Well, Does would he be able to escape, and would he come back to rescue? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, does the does big man have the same morals as Bruce Willis? Yeah, yeah. You know. But also, I I think it's it makes sense that Bruce Willis can like escape and sort of you know fight his way out of because he's you know he's established as a boxer you know and he's dangerous yeah. you know. He, mm. Like, early on, like, one of his first scenes, you know, he's killed a guy, you know, and I think that... He ended up putting him, putting him in hot water later on. Yeah. But I think it's a good establishment of, this is a guy who he sort of, he can... He knows how to... Not deal... Well, I mean, yeah, he knows how to escape, and he knows how to fight his way out of this situation. And he's not afraid of getting hurt, either. Because, no. I mean, the car crash you saw at mm. the when he ran into Big Man. I don't know his name, so I just call him Big Man. Um, when Marcellus? he runs into him, he... Yeah, Marcellus, there it is. Um, when he runs into Marcellus Big Man, um, he... <laughs> he crashes into him, he doesn't have any regard for anywhere, because as soon as he gets out of the car, he just bolts, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. So, I mean... I feel like he does. He, he he went back because he's not really afraid of getting himself hurt. Yeah. He has his morals that kind of overtake his mindset. Yeah. And just goes for it. And I mean that adds a lot of depth to his character, and I guess to Big Man Marcel's mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. Um, because you see his reaction to it. It's like sort of a bittersweet type. I love you and thank you, but you got to get the hell out of here. You know. Yeah. That type of stuff. Yeah, but I like how that ends off, ends his character, uh, Bruce Willis's character, of, like, he doesn't yeah. need to worry about this anymore, and it's sort of, he has the money and everything, he's got the bike and everything, you know, he's got, not the money, but, like, you know, he's got... Well, at that point, he had killed uh, Travolta. Yeah. So yeah. he probably would have been in strife for that yeah. as well. But which... I do like that sort of way that Marcellus is, like... He's sort of that even, you know. He he doesn't feel nece- He doesn't feel it doesn't feel necessary to go after him anymore because he's just sort of done this massive thing. So he'll let him off. But if you know he comes back, then he's then you know he'll then he'll kill him. And yeah. I do like that. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, good as well. Really. Mm. So yeah, that's just like the main thing that, that was like the main thing that really sort of stuck out to me when I first watched it. The whole that whole like gym scene is like, man, this is why this this is not necessary. Yeah, it's sort it's, of thanks, I hate it. Yeah, it's type thing. It's just like very much. This is something that something he wanted. To, yeah, because and and I will give it that it is something new. It's something that you don't see. Because, like, who would ever write that, you know? Has yeah. he ever spoken about his thought process about it? Tarantino. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not really? 
I'm gonna see if I can find anything, but I don't think he has. I think Tarantino has a two different mindsets. The mindset of a filmmaker and the mindset of a man. Just yeah. being a man. And I think once once he's not in that sort of mindset of being a filmmaker, he um he just kind of shuts it all down and just moves on and doesn't really go in depth to what he's trying to say. But I feel like in the interviews, it wouldn't be appropriate to ask about that scene either. So I don't know if there's a real place for him to talk about it openly, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, because yeah, he said he, Tarantino, when he, like, retires from making films, that he's going to be writing books and stuff. So I'm wondering if he could go into that, if he'll go into that in, like, a book at some point. Because in a book, you know, if he depends what he writes about, of course. But if he writes about, you know, films and stuff about them that, you know, sort of behind-the-scenes stories that other people don't know, then he could go into it there. But it's very much a weird thing to have in a film. They'll have, a, have to explain yeah, as well. Yeah, And he... Like, it might be better to leave it unexplained. Yeah. And he also... Uh, sort of... He did an interview where he was sort of talking about... Uh, in one of his, he's talking about one of his other films, and he was sort of talking that he doesn't really pre-plan his scripts when he writes them. He just sort of writes and writes and keep and sort of just keeps yeah. going until he gets to the end. So I'm just wondering, like, maybe he just came up with that as he was writing. It's like, hmm. Like he sort of got to it that. It does point. feel very spontaneous. Yeah. It maybe does. he was just yeah writing the stones. Like he just got to that point. Like, hmm. What if I did this instead? Because I think that yeah. it's 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 unique. And... I've seen, unfortunately, like enough bad movies like that to know that I wasn't surprised when it came on. I wasn't like taken aback because I've seen a few movies where they've incorporated that form of yeah. uh, torture or just randomized um, pickings. And mm, it, yeah. I wasn't surprised when it came on. And I'm like, yeah, all right, but. Mm. Yeah, I don't but know. But why, you know? Why is this here? Yeah. And that's the question we keep coming back to, is why we can't find an answer to this. No. Why and I there? don't know, you know if you ca- if you can find an answer for that, honestly. I, I, no. I think it's something that it might be... Just simply has its own meaning. Yeah. You know, I, I it's definitely... Or maybe Tarantino just wanted to spice the film up. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Or shock audiences. Yeah. yeah. Seems like... I mean, that's what he does. Is he just sort of... Was what Tar- that's sort of what Tarantino does. He very much just sort of does things to surprise an audience, you know. If you look at some of his other films, he just sort of does those things because he can, you know. Yeah. And I think that is a potential problem at times where he writes something for the sake of writing it, not because it is, you know, not for the story or anything. He just wants to do it because he can. Yeah. And I... Uh, no, fair point. I think that is a bit of a problem at times with some filmmakers where they just sort of do whatever they want because, they're, because you know, they want to. Like, I'm, like I think... Christopher Nolan is a big example, a, mo- a more modern example of someone who just does what he wants because he can, and thus, and mm-hmm. you know, his films suffer because of that. Yeah. 
No, yeah. yeah, I can see that. That's true. But do you guys have? Is there anyone else like any major directors who sort of are, are like that? Spielberg, maybe? No, not really. Hmm. Like... Spielberg never got to the point in his career where he just started going crazy with it. I feel mm. like he was very level yeah. and grounded with his yeah. filmmaking because yeah. he was in that like late 20th century time frame where technology was really starting to just come into the film industry mm. like CGI and animatronic and all that. Yeah, yeah. So he was just using all the new stuff instead of trying new stuff with stories. I mean, he just he was just a really yeah. talented filmmaker, mm. but he used the technology of the time to enhance his films with like Jaws and Jurassic Park and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, I can definitely see that. do a lot to... Uh... Like, he's he's not self... Like, Spielberg as a director is not that self... It's not self-indulgent. No. He's a very respectable director. Yeah. And, and he makes very... But to be fair, he's a very different kind of director. He's an old, he's an old style director. He yeah. makes films from. He still, he still make. Does he still make films? I don't even know. Yeah, I haven't seen got... a film from him in years. Like really, he's one. he's made films recently. Like his most, like he made uh, Ready Player One. If you've seen that. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. And he's making the West Side Story remake. That was meant to come out last year, but. Obviously didn't, but he's like directing that. Mm. Um, I know he does produce a lot of things mm, right yeah. now. Well, I mean, yeah, no, he's he's got the money where he can just sort of do what he wants because he's because of how much money he's made. Like he's one of the, I think he's like the highest, like as a director, he's made the most money of any other director. Oh, he's today. also got a lot of films under his belt. Like mm. it's not mm. like he's only done a couple. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, and he's got more. He's got more classic films under his belt than most directors. You know, he's got mm. Jaws, Jurassic Park, Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Yeah, he's got huge films that yeah. he just spits out over the past couple decades. Yeah, and I mean, everyone knows what Jaws is. Everyone knows what Jurassic Park is. Mm. You know, you can't even if you don't watch films. Even if hypothetically someone has never seen a film before they've most likely heard of Jaws or Jurassic Park yeah. because they're pop, they're, they're pop fiction icons, you know? Yeah. I mean, that roar from the T-Rex is a sound effect, one of the most infamous sound effects in film. Mm. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it says here that Steven Spielberg is, like, worldwide the highest grossing director with his yeah. films making over $10 billion. Like, that makes sense. And then just behind him are the Russo brothers who their films have combined made $6 billion. You know... And you sort of look at like the list, and there's very much like some directors who make sense, you know, like Christopher Nolan, you know, James Cameron, you know, and then you've got like Michael mm -hmm. Bay, who his movies just make a lot because well, no, Michael Bay, he appeals to the casual audience of filmmakers mm -hmm. that just kind of sit there and watch explosions, yeah. and he also he doesn't... appeals to like the Chinese market because they yeah. are much more into that. You know, mm -hmm. and that's why Speak people like Tarantino and Spielberg and Nolan and all that do not appeal to those audiences. No, but yet they're massive names and people like yeah. to see their films and they make, you know, like they're sort of at a point where they're sort of they're kind of both like they're sort of for casual movie goes, but they're also for like more 
people who are more into seeing films. Like there's, you know, like casual audience and then a not so casual audience. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael Bay is very much um, for the casual audience. Yeah, fairly unique opinion is... Mm. uh, You were talking earlier before about directors who just sort of do their own thing. Yeah. Like Taika Waititi. I love his work. Taika Waititi, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I love his work so much because of his uh, ability to make randomness into something. Yeah. Like, he executes it. Mm. You just make random shit and it's always funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's either funny or deep and touching. Mm. Like, I love Yeah, because Hunt for the Wilder People is both yeah. really funny and both a coming of age story mm. that makes sense. You, yeah. You know? Like, it's, it's genuinely a fantastic film because of. Mainly because of um, style that he uses. Mm. You know? It has a sort of. Yeah, it sort of has a character. It's, it's sort of a character of its own, the film. Because of the way that he made it and put this, like, the type of soundtrack and cinematography and location and the type of people that he cast for the, for the film has its own sort of, it has a life of its own compared to other films, you know. Because as soon as you, as soon as you start watching Hunt for the Wilder People, it sort of just brings you straight into it. Sort of like Pulp Fiction where it's, it uses visuals and music and characters to immediately suck you in um, where it's the opposite for Pulp Fiction where it obviously uses dialogue to bring you in so I guess that brings us back to that point um, hooking someone into a film is as important as keeping them in the film yeah you know so yeah so back to Pulp Fiction we in every episode I've recorded we've always gone on just a tangent about something else always just been something um well film is such a fun topic to yeah, talk about you no it not is to go on the tangent yeah it is um uh i just I'm trying to sort of look at what else there is um uh i think so we were talking about tarantino as an actor earlier and i think he's good in this like he's not anything amazing but i think he is in this film anyway able to sort of hold his own against Samuel L. Jackson and does a decent job for a non-actor. Yeah. Yeah. Also, his uh, attitude I liked. I thought, like, mm-hmm, yeah, he was kind of unimpressed. Like that way, he wouldn't have mm. set up anything difficult for himself yeah. to act, but yeah. rather a much more casual, uh, much more casual. A person that to play mm-hmm, yeah like it worked well for him that he picked someone who wouldn't require like a lot of acting experience mm-hmm. just sort yeah. of because he was just that some guy really mm-hmm. yeah in the uh when you get down to it yeah there was he actually because tarantino he there was two parts in mind that he wanted to play so there was that part and he also considered playing do you guys remember who lance is um, no He's the guy, he's like, um, John Travolta, like, a John Travolta's friend, in, like, his drug dealer, and they have, like, the epi, the oh, adrenal- yeah. adrenaline scene. Yeah. No, I don't think he would have worked oh, well yeah, that yeah, 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 so he was sort of yeah. considering playing either that part or the, um, Jimmy part, but he decided he wanted to play Jimmy because he wanted to sort of be behind the camera, 
during the the uh, stuff with Lance, where it is the adrenaline and everything. And I think that is yeah. a much better choice because I don't think he would work as he couldn't have pulled Lance. it off. I don't think he would have been able to do that as well. Like Jimmy works because it sort of plays to his ability as an actor. Yeah. In that there's very little to do, and it doesn't require much acting. It just sort of needs him to shout, you know, not not just mm. shout, but like it's like shouting and sort of getting annoyed and sort of very much playing up a very basic part, and and that actually, I think that's a very well directed and acted scene. Is the scene where Mia is overdosing on heroin, isn't it? Dude, yeah. like, she thinks it's coke. No, she... Is it heroin? I think it's heroin. Well, it's definitely not coke. Oh. I mean, let's see what it says. Yeah. Uh, it says here, yeah, she finds his heroin I and mistakes, mistakes it for cocaine. Story. And then, no, it's heroin, but she thinks it's cocaine. Um... And so she snorts it and then she just loses it. I think that's a very well done scene. I think Tantino is. Fast paced. Yeah, it's very fast paced. And I think Tantino is very good at writing suspense in his films. I think that... Because some directors try and write suspense and sort of have that form of tension in their films, but it doesn't work, and Tarantino is able to make that work. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> Definitely. Um, I might even go as far to say that's I don't know if it's my favourite scene of the film, but it's definitely one of the best scenes of the film, for sure. And I, yeah. and I sort of... It's, yeah. it, it's not particularly realistic with him just jamming the adrenaline shot into her heart, but I don't really care. Because I think it just... It doesn't matter. Like, that, like, the sort of realisticness behind it doesn't matter when it's written in the way that it's written in. And, you know... Yeah, well, I mean, it works. It 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 definitely mm. makes the movie better. Yeah. Definitely that scene. I yeah, I agree with you. It's a really good scene. Mm. So, I feel like you can throw logic out a little bit out of the window if it means it makes the movie better. Yeah. Um. This. I think that all the characters play off each other well. I don't think there's a particular weak link. When it comes to sort of the chemistry that the character that something that the characters have together, like that, that's just sort of my opinion on it. But do you guys have anything that you would like? Like, is there any particular pairings or so of characters that you want to talk about, or any that does that kind of stand out to you in a in a good or a bad way? Big Man and Bruce Willis. Mm. In a good way or they a bad are, way? Do you think? They are a good way because they mm. they both bounce off each other because obviously they're adversaries towards each other mm-hmm. and the way that they sort of the way that Bruce Willis comes back into that weird ass scene um, <laughs> and saves him and then he I like how we like we don't talk wanna, about we're this we're dodging anymore. it as much as we can and we don't want to say the words because it's we just, it's, we don't want to talk about it and I think that... Oh, yeah, we don't want to say the R word. No, we yeah, don't. No, we but, don't say but the But people R word. know, like, know what we're talking about. Like, it's... it's the this, it's this scene. word. Yeah. Like, I think just saying gimp just tells people which scene it is. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it, it works. works. It definitely works. Yeah. But, 
those two, Big Man and Bruce Willis, um, they are they work together really well. I don't know why. I think they just have good chemistry because Bruce Willis is very sort of energetic in that film, mm. and Big Man is sort of sort of you know like controlled and calculated, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm, yeah. So they are complete opposites, but they benefit each other because mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, one both of them hate each other, mm. but they're forced to interact with each other, so it it just kind of works out. Yeah. I think that the introduction, like, introducing Marcellus Wallace, I like the whole, you don't really see him, like, you don't, you sort of, like, you, it just sort of shots of, like, maybe, like, his shoulder, or, like, it's just a shot of Bruce Willis, and someone's talking to him, or, like, the back of his head. I really yeah. like that, the whole introduction, because I think a very much, it's way, like, introducing characters like that, sort of a pivotal part of the story needs to be done very well and I think Tarantino did that very well with mm. Marcellus Wallace yeah definitely because I mean because he, he is a he's a big guy you know you know it's him from a silhouette yeah you know yeah I mean someone that size is pretty hard to introduce wrong yeah unless you're big, you know, unless you're just straight up an idiot yeah, because he's so he's got a screen presence that everyone else around him doesn't. So yeah, 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 yeah. Matt, Matthew, Saucy, Matt, Matt. Okay, let's just talk for a little bit and see if, see if he comes back. You're gonna have to cut that bit out. Yeah. Because he was he, he, by all standards, he should be here the whole time. Yeah, he should be. He ju- it just says he's muted. Yeah. Oh, he just sent a message saying be back something. soon. Oh. Um, let's just keep talking, and we'll just like. Let's. Um, I think that uh, John Travolta and uh, Uma Thurman play off each other really well. Mm. I think they have a very good chemistry. That. Especially in the diner. Oh Jesus! Especially in the diner scene. What was that? Was that um, your chair or something? That was my chair being a bit odd. <laughs> um, yeah, they play off each other really well in the diner scene, especially mm-hmm. because I mean, she's trying to dig into him and try and figure out who he is, and he's sort of holding back. But then he makes an ultimatum, and then she goes away, and then he thinks of a question, and it's just kind of like, it's really well done. It's really well paced. And yeah. it's, it sort of unravels the character for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, John Travolta's character for the audience yeah. and for Miss Something Something over there. Um, and I feel like it. I feel like it really does add. Again, it adds to the film just the way that Tarantino does all the time. Mm. It because it 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 un, it gives us answers for questions we've been asking mm-hmm. as well as yeah. answers that she's been asking, and mm. it's sort of. It's a natural way of revealing exposition, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, I like the whole. I like the whole, like the entire scene in the diner where they're like ordering their food and they're just like talking about mm. stuff. And I like sort of how. And the know, milkshake, that milkshake. <laughs> it it does look really nice. It looks best milkshake on the west coast. Yeah. Also, what. This must have been a 90s thing, because the way that Vincent freaks out is like, did you just spend $5 on a milkshake? I'm like, that's actually pretty reasonable. 
That is really cheap. But think about it, it is American money. That is true. Yeah. Their inflation is different to ours. That is true. And it is yeah. like the eighties or nineties or whatever it was. Yeah. That's sort of how I have to look at it. I'm like, okay, so it's a nineties thing. So I guess it it's different in the nineties. And I, I yeah. and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense of the nineties. Um, did you notice the Steve Buscemi cameo in it? No. Oh, he's the he plays the waiter in it. He's like the waiter for Vincent and Mia. He um, he's the guy taking their order. What? Yeah, it's really. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, no, you don't. Did you actually not know? I need. Yeah, I didn't yeah. notice it. Yeah. I, I didn't notice it. I, I didn't notice it. Yeah, he's the uh, yeah he's the waiter in it, and it's actually kind of funny because it's yeah. Because I don't even think he's wow. credited as the waiter. It's just he's in it. Like, it's sort of a thing. Like, I think if you go through the cast... Like, if you were to go on, like, IMDb, he'd be on there, but it'd be, like, uncredited or something. Like... Yeah. I'm going to just send you an image of it, of him right now. Like, it's a little harder to see because he doesn't have, like, a goatee or, like, like his usual hair. Like, a, it's very different. It's, yeah. Because that's what you identify him with. Yeah, hair. and sort of like a goatee as well. I sort of imagine him with a goatee, like he just sort of looks right with a goatee or some form of facial hair. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Did I notice? I don't. I swear I don't. I didn't yeah. notice. Him. I so I because I was listening to yeah other people talk about it and they pointed it out. And so when I watched it, I was like, oh, that is that's Steve Buscemi. That's him right there. Uh, who I love Steve Buscemi. I think he's great. Like Reservoir Dogs, he is just fantastic. Yeah, is it the same character, or is it just the cap, the actor? I think. I think. Oh it's my m- god! It is him. What? <laughs> what? No way! How did I miss it? Sent us. <laughs> How did I miss that? He, he he must have spoke as well. So no, he absolutely does, and it's it's very much like. What? The first time you watch it, you might... Oh, Matt, you back? Yeah, Matthew. Just came back. Matthew, 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 okay, Matthew, you've been missing out. We've been talking about... Did you notice that Steve Buscemi was in Pulp Fiction? Oh, really? Dude, you see, no one notices him. <laughs> no, I... Like, the first time, I didn't notice, and then someone pointed it out. And now, every time he's on screen, I'm like, I just look at it, because it's like, it's Steve Buscemi, and... Steve Buscemi, yeah. Yeah. And Jeez. it's... And it's the whole, and it's funny because if you've seen Reservoir Dogs, it's kind of ironic that he that he's playing a waiter. Have you have, I, have yeah. you guys seen Reservoir Dogs? Some of it. Some of it. Yeah. I haven't seen it in its entirety. No. Oh, oh yeah, isn't he the one that doesn't like to get tips? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. like to tip because he doesn't like in his sort of explanations like he doesn't yeah. think they des like he doesn't think they deserve not deserve tips but like. He just doesn't do it because he doesn't. And he sort of degrades the the employment path yeah. of the waiter, and he's yeah. a waiter there. Like, like he says something like he doesn't tip because society says he has to. Like he, yeah, he doesn't do it because he's told to. You know, he doesn't just. It's not an automatic thing for him. So I think that's a very not very nice cameo in the film, and I think. Yeah. Jeez, he's so young there. I know I it's know crazy. Him. It's like it's it's. Because also, you're probably not focused on him when you first watch it. You're sort of focused on, like, 
um, Vincent and Mia. But then the more you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, Steve Buscemi, and and he's, and I think he's, uh, yeah, I just think it's, and I just think it's really nice that he's in it, you know, because I like Steve Buscemi. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. Um, His voice is so good. Yeah, he's got he's got a very unique voice that like. He's cut. He's like you know, what? like the people who could do impressions, and it's very hard to find people who can do an impression of Steve Buscemi's voice because yeah. it's just you know, it's weird because it sounds high pitch and and low pitch at the same yeah. time. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I was sort of just thinking about something earlier. We have not yet. Somehow, we've gone over an hour into this recording, and we haven't talked about the briefcase, which oh is oh my god like a major thing that sort of is sort of throughout yeah the story um i like that the number to open it is 666 i just think i just find that funny uh, and i like the whole i i like tarantino's explanation of what's in it of that it's whatever the viewer wants it to be because i think I'm much more interested, and I prefer when it's, like, up to interpretation or it's this or it could be this. I don't, like, not, like, and sometimes I want definitive answers, but in this sort of thing, I like the whole, oh, you can just, it can be what you want, and you, and I, and there's no wrong answer, you know. Like, I don't often think about what I personally think's in there, but I do... Think about what the characters want. Yeah. Like, do you guys have any idea of what... Like, what in your sort of head? Lego canon, Death Stars aren't gold. I don't know what they're on about. <laughs> Why is it gold? I do I... like that sort of way of... Okay. <laughs> I do sort of like the way of it sort of glows. It's sort of heavenly, I guess. It's like this amazing thing that everybody is after. And I, and I like that as a sort of... Yeah. There's a couple movies that do that yeah. uh, pretty well. Hmm. I was just thinking about it because we were talking and I was like, man, I just realised we haven't talked about the briefcase, which is like a major part of Symbolic. the story. Yeah. yeah. I also mm. like the whole thing with uh, Jules and he's got the uh, Bible speech that he gives. Like the whole, he's reading that passage yeah. from the Bible. Oh yeah, and Which... he doesn't realize he doesn't attach any meaning to it until an event happens. Yeah, and, and I then do he like that. He says it for a reason. Yeah, and that—that's—I don't know if you did. You guys know that basically none of that is real. Like, no, not... yeah, of course it's not. Yeah, like part of it is, but like most of it is just like written by. It was just made Tarantino. up. He's like, I'll just like make this up. To serve to serve the plot, really. Yeah, it's not important. And it's and it's worded to sound like a Bible scripture. Yeah, exactly. With all its old English yeah, type words, me. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I think if you don't know that it's fake, like I think a lot of people probably think it's real. That it's like yeah, yeah, it makes like that is you know, and I'm sure some people are disappointed if they were to like read a Bible like man. That was not real. That's not in the Bible, you know. And I, and I do sort of like. His... It's in Bible too. Yeah, it's it's in the sequel that hasn't come. Yeah. Out yet. I I like the whole. <laughs> yeah, 
I do like that sort of difference in Kadjaf. He just says it because he thinks it's cool, and then he sort of realizes there's sort of another meaning to it that it sort of relates to something else, you know, and that it's not just you know something that he likes to say Whoa. now. It has what? Yeah, agreed. A bird just hit my window. <laughs> Is it okay? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not here anymore. I think it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just hear, whoa. <laughs> That's all I hear. You wanted to join in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Who's trying to join in? Hmm. Oh, the, the bird. The... <laughs> he has something to say. I thought hmm. Brad was in the in the Discord chat in general, saying, "Can I join, please?" I mean, if Brad wanted to, he could, and that would, and he would, he could, and I couldn't do anything with that. He would have an understanding of this film that we don't, and he would like yeah. attach it to like Shakespeare or something. Yeah, yeah. We did a. I recorded an episode with him like a few, like maybe a week ago or so, and he had a lot to say. That's the longest recording we did. I think we went for two hours nearly. Or about you beat my one. I know because we did a, a one for Get Out, and we went an hour and a half on that. Yeah, I haven't like edited what, what any. What movie were you talking about? We did a uh, uh, Real Window. Never heard of it. Oh yeah, you've never That's heard of Real good. Window. Uh huh. Hitchcock. Hitchcock classic. It's the no, one. Never heard of it. Oh my. It's the one where the guy, he's, he's sitting at a window and, like, a broken leg, and he's, like, spying on his neighbours and everything. Yeah, then he sees some stuff. Broken like, window, is it called? Rear window. Rear window. Oh, God. In that recording, we also kept calling it something else. We always, like, mixed either rear or window with, like, a different word. Rear window. Yeah, rear window. The fact that you've never... Like, it's fine if you haven't seen it, but not even having, like... Hearing it is is mental. Like you actually need to go watch it. I've never heard of this film. Oh my studied God. film. We did oh an my entire. hundred percent on Metacritic. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's what? Professional photographer Jack is stuck in his apartment, recuperating from a broken leg. Out of the out of boredom, he begins to spy on his neighbors and comes across a shocking revelation. Yeah, it's amazing, and the fact Alfred that... Hitchcock. Do you, have you heard? You must know who Alfred Hitchcock is, right? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the fact that you haven't heard of this is ridiculous. It came out in 1954. So. So. You've heard of older movies than that, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched Frankenstein, like the 1936 one. Yeah, exactly, and that's older than this. <laughs> uh, you need to watch it, and. Alf Red. And then you can and then you can listen to our episode on it because we go full spoilers. So you need to. How do I find um? How do I find your previous episodes? Well, well you... I haven't uploaded any yet. Need... It's on Spotify yeah. right now, and I have to set up an Apple ID to put it on Apple Podcasts. But I'll send you guys like the link to it oh, when okay. I have got it all done. And I've it uploaded the first episode. I'll I'll send it to you guys, and it'll all be good. Okay. Um. So. Um, I'm just sort of looking at... Oh, the birds. The bir did he do King Kong? I swear he did King what? Kong, didn't he? What? No, No, bro. no, that he, was... That, he no, that not... wasn't... That about, was... <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock would never make King Kong. That's, like, like he, nothing like his stuff. Isn't he the one stuff. that... 
He did I Psycho. Any Hitchcock movies. He did Psycho. Yeah. Uh, Tell me you've... Are you... I've seen Psycho. Shut up. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. I've seen Psycho. Oh, the birds. God. I think I've seen some of the birds. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of birds in the world, but I've seen some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> suspicion. Frenzy. Frenzy. <laughs> Family plot. Okay. This is. So... <laughs> I've seen um a couple of his, but yeah. Um, we were meant to be talking about Pulp Fiction, oh, and we okay. and we've gone on this. Yeah, haven't seen that I one. feel like we've said everything we've needed to say. To be honest, I don't. I don't I'm I just gonna really sort of look through anything and see if there's anything. Over. I made a bunch of notes, but I don't. Unless you've got something. But I didn't bring them with me because I didn't think I'd need them, honestly. And I think. Pretty much everything I s needed wanted to say is I said, and I don't think there's anything I need to s anything else I need to say. Honestly, I mm. think this is. I've I can't think of anything else. No, um, I guess so. Can I just get apart a... from oh, apart yeah. from the um, the scene? <laughs> apart from the, is there anything else you want to say about the scene, or is that already like? It's different. It's different, yeah. I, I will give it that. It <laughs> That's different. about it. Um, so can I get... Do you guys want to give a rating for it? Just like a 1 out of 10... Like 1 to 10 rating for the film? Yeah. Okay, Rowan, yeah. you can I'll go I'll give it a 9. A 9, alright. I'll give it a 9. And Matt? I'll give it a 7.5. 7.5, okay. Uh, I actually agree with Rowan. I give it a 9. Um, and I do think there are better films... Tarantino's made effect. I think there are two better films. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's more or less it, really. Uh, so that's the rating. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, it's a very long one again. I'm starting to have these episodes go longer. We've been recording for an nearly an hour and 22 minutes at this point. Dang. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Didn't beat my one. It did not beat your one, but I have beaten your one. Oh, if I need to get an episode yeah, with you Brad. and Jack. Brad is just a different breed. Yeah. I need to get... Yeah, Brad is a... If I do yeah, I mean, another one chess. with Brad, it's going to go... So It's going to go forever. For three hours plus. Yeah. Talk I, about Avengers Endgame. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so thank you. I need to get you... Ron, I need to get you on one with Jack. Because then it would just be arguments for two hours. Do it, do it, do and it, I need, do it, do and it. I, and he Can said we he do would like a Disney movie as well. Yeah, he would. He would absolutely. He said he would like to do it as well. So it's not like he doesn't want. He he wants yeah. to do it, and he would like to do an episode with you. And so I think that would just be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, that's all. That I thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, listen to any previous episodes if you haven't listen to them uh and yeah i just say thanks and bye can you i say goodbye bye bye, bye. bye.